welcome to episode 91 of the Massive Attack Podcast with me, Mitch, and my venerable co-host. I don't know what venerable means, but you are. Joe, hello. Hello. I don't know what venerable means either. I'm sure it's good. Wasn't he a soccer coach? Yeah. Terry Venerables? Yeah, that's him. Mm. Mm. Didn't he jump over and kick someone in the face? No, that was Cantona. Oh, yeah, him. Yeah. Mm. It wasn't... Who are Cantona? Yes. That's right. Yeah, yeah. How are you? Sport. <laughs> That's our sport talk. <laughs> sport, sport. I'm good. Very good. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Let's get on to it. No, normal show? Yeah, normal show. There is going to be a bit of sport in this episode, isn't there? Wow. Sports entertainment. That's more a little like bit it. of a teaser. Yeah. Well, yes. Well, a kind of sport is games. Hmm, kind of. Esports. We're not esportists. No, we like everyone equally. <laughs> yes, no, no, but games. Let's, let's get on to games. You've okay. been playing any games? I have. Mm-hmm. But before we talk about our individual gaming, oh. we kind of teased a couple of episodes ago that we were keen on getting back together and playing some online yes. co-op. Yeah. We did one better than that, and we actually played a good couple of hours of couch co-op. We did. That's not a euphemism. No. We were on separate chairs. So it's not couch co-op, it was couch and chair co-op. <laughs> Correct. No, but we decided that it was one night and we were together and instead of watching television like we normally do, we thought, fuck it, let's game. Mm-hmm. And we cranked up Borderlands 1. Yep. And I think we played through one level of Borderlands 1 and went, it's yeah. not as good as I remember it. Yeah. Mm. Because I couldn't play Borderlands 2. No, I think we started on Borderlands 2, but... I have the Xbox One version of Borderlands 2 and you have the Xbox 360 version of Borderlands and 2 and we were just worried about how your save was going to port over. Yeah. But no, we played a little bit of Borderlands 1 and then it wasn't quite as fun as I remember it. Maybe no. it's because we weren't doing we, the story was, mission. And I was we totally just, out of practice. Yeah, we were just trying to do a loot run. Mm. And then we played a chapter of Gives of War 4. Yep, we're still working our way through the game, but yeah, I was ready to keep going, but you were like, yeah, let's play something else. I was keen to do driving yeah. and I think that was what it was. So we decided that we were going to play a bit of a driving game, mm-hmm. and we went to Split Second, which was one of the freebies that they had on Games for Gold just recently. Mm-hmm. And for a what six-year-old game, I think that Looked is pretty good. Yeah, and mm. still played really well on the three, on the Xbox One. Yep. But yeah, it was fun. Split screen. I was terrible at driving as I always am. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it was good to get back and have a bit of a game. We haven't done that for a while. Yes. Mm. But that was our little co-op. You've actually done something that we don't do very often, no. and you've actually bought a new release game, Brand new game. almost on release day. Mm, yeah, it was about four days after it came out. Yeah, that's unheard of. I know, but I'm just not gaming at the moment. Really? No, Even I Even though wasn't. you bought this new game. Well, I'm, I'm playing that. All right. but, but yeah, it was sort of like, eh, it's because I played Rogue Trooper, which I was talking about last episode, and I just wasn't into it. Not getting into it, not getting out of it, just nothing. I mean, it's like I knew, well, I, I assumed I was going to like Far Cry 5. So it's like, I'm going to go get it. Because the last one, I mean, the hours I put into these previous games going, even at full price, I'll get onto it now. It's not like I'm playing anything else. Hmm. So, yeah, I got it for the $69 price tag. I didn't go and pay the big Seasons Pass, which is an extra 40-odd bucks and Master Editions or comes with a toy car or any of those sort of things. Just give me the basic game. I can get the Seasons Pass later when I've run out of game because I'm sure it'll get cheaper at some point. Yeah, I'm a few hours in. 
because I can't put as much time as I'd like to into it because I'm late at night and I do have homework at the moment. It's more of the same but very enjoyable. Hmm. A little bit different to the previous ones. They're adding little things like you don't have to skin the animals so much. Before in the previous ones you sort of had to collect certain things so you had to skin two of these sort of animals and kill four of these and skin that and you can craft a bigger thing to hold two more guns and things like that. Yeah. It doesn't have that but there are still sort of you get perks where you can sort of spend the perks in certain ways so you don't have to gut and kill as many things in that way. There is fishing in the game which I haven't done yet but you're going to sit there and fish apparently Okay, which I haven't got to yet. Fast travel's good. There's a lot of it. It is still got the whole Far Cry thing where they've got weird animals that are just deadly annoying cunts. And the cassowaries? Well it's a turkey in this one. Okay. Yeah there's wolverines in there mm. but they're turkeys. Pains in the ass. But yeah I'm not finding it easy. There's certain things that are hard to do like I've got to get a car back from for somebody and that car's constantly on the move so I've got to like not blow up the car but I've got to kill the guy in the car and he won't stop which is a pain in the butt so I've tried the mission a few times and keep failing so I'll go off and do other things and I'm going to come back later okay. it's like more of the same if you listen to me talk about other Far Cries in the past it's it's more of that it's just a little more polished some of the the quality of the animation is very nice and this is the first one you've played on this generation of consoles, isn't Correct. it? Correct. Yeah. yeah. When you showed me a little bit of it last week, I was impressed of how fluid it looked. Mm. And how are you finding the story side of things? It's interesting. I was I was hoping it was more against a militia, but it was actually against a cult, a religious cult. Mm. But no, it doesn't matter. It's still kind of interesting mm. because it's very pro-America in a lot of ways. Okay. All the, you, you actually collect companions in this, which is new to a Far Cry game, where you have you sort of save people and you can recruit them. And the, the better you go, the more people you can recruit to actually help you on a mission. So you literally have someone running around shooting with you, you know, I, if you're attacking and things like I that. I think you did have that in one of the other Far Crys. You could hire, like, helpers. Really? I, I think that was it. Far Cry 2. I probably played it wrong. Yeah. It's interesting in that way, but all the ones that are your companions, they're all wearing, like, American flag T-shirts and this oh, and okay. that. So they're, you know, real problem at America. You know, they're your, you know, so it's, they're not hedging their bets or anything like that, but it is a bit, you know, they're sort of like, I thought it was going to be a sort of, oh, is this an anti Trumpy sort of game? Are they doing it? No, no, but it would be silly to do that, I suppose. But so. there was a little bit of a backlash when they first announced it. The people in America, especially, were a little bit upset that it was set in America they and you did, were shooting Americans. You were shooting white people. Yeah. White, because previously you were shooting black Himalayans it's and fine. Asians and But stuff. now yeah. we're shooting white people. I don't know. I don't like this. Yeah. Why why can't you make them not white? Was the problem. Mm. Which Says a lot more about the people who have a problem with this. Exactly. Yes. So, so how long are they suggesting this game would take you to play? Well, it's too early to know. But I think, you know, I was panicking the other day because someone sort of finished it already. It's like, already? And they weren't happy with the ending. It's like, oh, oh. but I'm hearing other people are going and they're enjoying it so far. And well, so I'm not sure what, just what to read into that. So I'm just like, okay. Listening to a couple of the gaming podcasts that I do listen to, particularly Giant Bomb, Mm. they kind of said that if you're a fan of Far Cry, you would like this, but there wasn't enough new stuff to drag, say, other shooter fans into it. No, but, I was, I was Yeah, the fact that Far Cry is your jam. It is my jam. Mm, I, I think you probably will enjoy it. Yeah. And you bought it on disc, so I'll probably borrow it off you when you finished it. Yeah, easy done. So, yeah. Mm. Easy. They've done the extended. Like, I didn't buy the, ex- you know, the season's pass or whatever, but they've actually expanded it with a three different game modes or whatever, and one's a zombie one, one's a Vietnam War version. Okay. And I forget what the other one was. 
mm. uh, at Mars Martian Attacks. Okay. So they're having a lot of fun with the concept because, I mean, I've played, I haven't played Far Cry 1. I don't think is there Far Cry one, and there's Primal Instincts or something Instincts. Yeah, Animal. I haven't played any of those two, but I started with Far Cry two, three, and four. I've done Far Cry Primal, and I've done Far Cry three Blood Dragon. Yeah, and the thing with Blood Dragon is it's it's so much fun. Like it's the eighties action movie cliche, the game. Yeah, uh, in the Far Cry mechanics, and that's why I'm looking at you know the Vietnam and the Mars and. Martian attacks or Mars attacks and the zombie one. I was like, well, that, that's cool. It's the mechanics of my favourite game mm. and sit in the different settings. And they did so much good work with Blood Dragon. I was like, oh, I'll definitely give it a go eventually. But I've got, with the rate that I'm playing these games at the moment, it's going to be a while before I need to go and find more Far Cry. So. Yeah, it'll probably be cheaper by then. Exactly. Well, I'm hoping. Mm. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, good. All right. Well, I haven't been playing anything really new. I've been playing... A bit of PC gaming for a change. They on Steam just recently. I was looking at some sales, and they had uh, an old game called Stronghold that they've kind of resed up into a HD version. That I decided that it was only six dollars, so I may as well jump in and buy that. And it's kind of a real-time strategy and a world builder all in one. So there's economic missions where you get to build your castle, or there's other missions where you get to go and raid other people's castles. And I can remember having this probably about fifteen years ago, and quite liking it. Mm-hmm. And now that there's a HD remix version on Steam, I decided, yeah, what the hell? I'm HD, what's that. the H stand for? Hi. What's the D stand for? Definition. Oh, but no, anyway, no, I was playing it the other day and my D. seven-year-old sort of came along and went, oh, what are you playing? And I sort of tried to explain to him that it was a medieval game about building castles. And since then, he's played a little bit of it and now he's obsessed with medieval things. So mm. we've been looking up clips on YouTube of this Monty TV Python. show. Oh. No, this TV show called The Weapons That Made Britain, and it's all about medieval weaponry. So I think I might have to take him to Crow Castle. Oh, <laughs> the traditional. <laughs> the traditional, a, uh, yeah. A legitimate medieval castle in Ballarat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Made out of breeze blocks and <laughs> yeah. cinder blocks and stuff. But yeah, and another game that I've it played. It does have the world champion Jouster there. Yeah. Seriously. An Aussie from Crow Castle is the world champion Jouster. There you go. I never knew. I did remember seeing jousting on the sports channel on Foxtel once. That was kind of cool. But, yeah, other than that, I've been playing a little bit of another game that I picked up in one of the Xbox sales called Tabletop Racing, which is kind of like Micro Machines, only slightly scaled a bit bigger, Mm. where your little car's driving around on tabletops and avoiding knives and forks and food and stuff. It's fun. It's not as good as Micro Machines. But it's, it's fun enough, and cool. the kids and I have been playing a little bit of that too. Mm. But that's my gaming. Cool. I have been watching a fair bit of TV this last week, something quite particular, but mm. there has been some other things I've been watching in the last month, so unless you've got any gaming, maybe we should jump into television. Let's go television. All righty. Well, again, I am making the absolute most of my Netflix, and I think nearly everything I've been watching has been on Netflix. Yeah. And I've been watching a really cool reality show called Nailed It. Now, I don't know if you've had a chance to watch this or not. Nope. But it is based on the internet phenomenon of people trying to attempt to do cake decoration. Phenomenon. I'll just sing in the background. You talk. And just people doing an absolute really bad job of these cake decorations and putting their photos on Instagram with the nailed it caption. Mm. So it's hosted by a sassy black woman in that sort that of Wanda name? Sykes vein. Her name is Nicole Byers, oh. and I think she's been in a couple of comedy shows. So yep. I didn't know who she was, but. It's her as the host. It's also uh, a French 
patisserie chef called Jacques something or other. And then they have a revolving third guest who is normally a cake decorator or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, patisserie, chocolatier. Anyway, but they have three contestants and they come along and they try and make versions of these pretty spectacular... Now, are these contestants famous for being shit? They're, well, they're, they're just off-the-street people, but they're all not really amateur bakers. They're people that try and fail. So they're, they're known for failing at yeah. cakes. Yeah. yeah, they're not people that you think, oh, these people are going to do really well. Because the aim of the game is to find the least worst out of the three, I guess. Mm. And then at the end of it, they win 10 grand each episode. So there's pretty big money in it. So the the best cake wins. Yeah. So they are trying to do it right. They are trying to do it right. But the stuff they get given is sort of unrealistic, uh-huh. I think, for amateur bakers. Yep. And the time frame they get given in is completely unrealistic. Because they get given, say, a three-tier wed- wedding cake with multiple decorations, and they have to do that in an hour and a half. Amateur Bakers was my old Westie detective name. <laughs> so it's something that they're never going to do. Yeah. Because even a professional cake decorator would take, you know, a day and a half or whatever to do this cake. Yep. And there, there was one episode where they did a Trump cake, and it was pretty much a bust of Trump's face. And they had to use modelling chocolate to make his face and you know, royal icing and stuff. And they did such a horrendous job of this Trump cake. And one of them looked like the zombies from They Live. It was that sort of bulging <laughs> eyes and weird colour and stuff. But at, at this stage, there's only six episodes on Netflix. Okay. I've mainlined all six of them almost in one day. Mm-hmm. I think it, we watched it over a, a course of two or three days. But they did just announce that it has been picked up for another season. Okay. But it's something that you can watch without having to think about. It's good, you know, you come home from work, your brain's a little bit fried. You don't really want to have, you know, an in-depth type program, so you just chuck it on. Yeah. And, yeah, highly interesting. So, what would you rather watch? An episode of that or just Anthony on repeat from Queer Eye for like half hour? See, that would get me too emotional, so <laughs> I think it's better to just watch it over and over. But, Yeah. And again, scraping the bottom of the barrel of shit TV that you can find on Netflix, I started watching another show called Age Gap Love. This sounds terrible. Oh, it is really, really bad. It's English reality TV, which makes it even worse. And it's the story of just couples that have large age gaps. So majority of them are older women with younger dudes. And I, like I don't see that sort of gap. No, oh. but it's like a 60-year-old woman with a 20-year-old guy. And it's just, I don't know, there's, there's some pretty special people in this. Is it very English? It is very English. Oh, okay. So do you laugh with your Welsh hat on going, oh, look at this stupid <laughs> yeah, I do. English? Yeah, yeah, very much so. <laughs> but in the first episode, because I've watched a couple of these, so it's pretty bad. But in the first episode, there's a woman who's probably in her 80s, and she's now married to this dude that's late 20s, early 30s, but they've been together since he was 18. Mm-hmm. And he looks like the sort of person that just should not be allowed out of the house by himself. Okay. He's wearing his pants like really high, so his belt's <laughs> almost under his nipples. And he's wearing then a knitted pullover over the top. and Like a Rick Mail character? Yeah, worse than a Rick oh, Mail character because he looks like the sort of person that Rick Mail based his character on. <laughs> but yeah, it's I don't know what it is about people which older women must attract young nuffies. Oh, mm. I don't know. But yeah, It's probably worth a watch just for the cringe factor. I don't know if mm. I got that much time in my life. You probably don't, but they're only 22 minutes each, so yeah. Ideal. <laughs> I could watch a bit of Cool as Ice in that time. You probably could. <laughs> And a couple of other things I've been watching that are a little bit better than that. Again, still on Netflix. Yeah. There is a new series of Lemony Snicket's 
a series of unfortunate events mm. with Patrick Warburton playing Lemony Snicket, the narrator, and Neil Patrick Harris doing the role of Count Olaf. And I'm three episodes into that now, and I'm really season enjoying two. that too. Season one, I'm not but there is okay. season two as well. Mm-hmm. But I, I didn't really like the movie, but I think this adaptation for the TV show has done really well. Yeah, I've not seen either. Read the books, haven't done any of that, so I don't know. I haven't read the books. My wife has read the books, and she thinks it's a very good interpretation mm-hmm. of the books too. Well, it's entertaining. Hmm. Did your kids watch it? My youngest watched it and really enjoyed it. My oldest was kind of floating in and out and didn't really pay much attention to it. Hmm. Yes. But that's my television. What about yourself? Okay. Me. I watched the first episode of Rise. I saw an ad for it. I was like, bring it on. This could be the new Glee. It's about a teacher that takes over the school production and it's a musical set in a high school and all this. And it's a fucking drama bullshit. No Sue Sylvester. No comedy. No. It's all very serious po-face bullshit. And the song sucked. So one episode done. No, thank you. And you got the guy from How I Met Your Mother, the one who tells the story of how he met the mother. So he, not Jason Segel? No, the other one. The not unf- Neil Patrick Harris. The, no, unf- the other one. Yeah. And he's like got a beard and it's like the Robin Williams syndrome. Okay. So when you're funny and then you grow a beard, you're not funny anymore? You're serious, role. Yeah. Mm. It's just like, oh. So I was a bit, I mean, it's very glee though because they, you know, they were trying to recast and they had the same, you know, he's like, oh, I didn't have Rosie Perez in it. That's all right. Damn, she's looking at <laughs> but yeah, uh, you sort of like he takes over the role of production. And they're going to do Grease again. It's like, well, it's like we've done it three times. We've already got the costumes. It's all this sort of stuff. It's like, where's the humor? It's pretty much Glee. And he takes over. And then what's name saying a rap the the quarterback of the of the football team? And he goes, I want him. And then he was going to fail. But obviously, the whole if you fail, therefore you can't play football. Therefore, we want him to pass. And the principal and the coach is like, you're going to make him pass. And he's like, well, if he tries out for my thing. And he ends up liking it, so they go to do it, and then he goes to put on some German play or something. That is that like a Serbian film? Yeah. Uh, well, it's got homosexuality. It's set in the 1800s or something. I've never heard of this play before, but all the kids got behind and they really wanted to do it. Oh, the principal's like, no, you're not doing it. You're doing Greece. We've got the costume. Screw you. You're out of this and that and that. So all the te- all the students rebelled and burnt the Greece costumes and said, no, we're doing this play or we're not doing it at all. And the quarterback sort of does it, so there's just like, it's glee. It, it sounds almost exactly like the premise but of without the, the fun <laughs> and the music was all like based you know it was all theatre show stuff so it's like but, but just like yeah so yeah so I didn't bother with any more of that okay highly uh, recommended then yeah going back to Netflix a new show just started called Reboot The Guardian Code now did you ever watch Reboot the well, old series when you had this on the running sheet I thought is this a reboot of Reboot yes Cool. No. No, it's not. No. That's a shame. But I kind of liked Reboot. Reboot I, was great. I was never the fan that you were, hmm. but I've watched a I few episodes here and there. <laughs> but no, I've watched a few episodes yeah, here and there of Reboot, and I, yeah, I liked it. I mean, I go back and watch it now. It's probably a bit hokey in this graphics and stuff, but the stories were cool. and was really funny and really clever. And I thought, a new Reboot, this is great. It's Power Rangers. Oh, that's a shame. But not good. Like, it's like real live-action people, and they get sucked into the game. It's Tron meets Power Rangers with a reboot name on it. There's nothing reboot about it. I think, looking at the trailer, like, I think Megabyte was in the trailer. How much is in the show, I don't know, but it just looked crap. Hmm. And I put the first episode on last night thinking, all right, I'll give it a go. And I lasted a few minutes, like, all right, I'm going to fast-forward till they go into the computer and have a look. And it's like, all right, I'm going to fast forward till something happens. And I didn't even make it to the end fast forwarding going, I'm 
done. That's like, a shame. I mean, I'd be interested to see if they get any characters. Like if Bob turns up and things like that, that'd be great. But it doesn't even look like that. It really, it honestly looks like the Power Rangers movie from last year and Tron. Like they're sucked into a game and it just looks like that. And I was just like, this is extraordinary. <laughs> Not extraordinary. Extraordinary. Um Something else, I have the other streaming service that I don't talk about much, but enough with Amazon Prime, which has the strangest collection of stuff. Yes, we did mention last episode that we watched The Van. And I put on, because it's there, I do like my old shows. And and that's a problem with Netflix now. I mean, apparently they're talking that next year they're going to be releasing something like an original film every three days next year or something stupid like that. That's just crazy, isn't it? I can't keep up. Hmm. But there's nothing old. When I first got Netflix, there was... The Twilight Zone, the original series. You know, there's not much in the way of black and white movies, but I love old stuff. Why is it's not everything has to be new? And I know people aren't looking for old stuff, but I want old stuff. But something that is old that is on Amazon is That Girl. Which girl? That Girl. Hmm. Mm, which is an old Marlo Thomas, son of Danny Thomas. And if you know Glass Coffee Tables, you know Danny Thomas. And if you don't know Danny Thomas, just Google Danny Thomas Glass Coffee Table. <laughs> Maybe and don't not blame a, us. Not, not on your work computer. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, I, I assume like the Mary Tyler Moore show or something like that. It's it's that era. It's the girl, wannabe actress, goes to New York and wants to, yeah. It's just a sitcom from the 60s. Late 69 or something I can remember like seeing this when I was a kid. Yeah. And Me the, too. It must have been on Channel 10 or something. The only thing I really remember is something would happen in the start. Yes. The cold and, open. Yeah. And then it'll always be, that girl. Who's, whose fault is it? And so then they'd sort of go, they point to her and that and girl and she'd react. Yeah. And, like, and yeah. And then opening credits. Hmm. Anyway. Yeah, I, so, I do remember it being fun. So I just put it on just for something to watch the other day and I just let it keep going because that's the thing with Netflix and these sort of streaming services is let's just keep playing. Hmm. And yeah, my daughter was asleep and my son was out and all that sort of stuff. So I was like, oh, my brain's not on anymore. Just keep playing this shit. So, yeah, I watched a bit of that. And I, I think going back to what you were saying, how old stuff isn't on Netflix, is it because there is just so many other ways you can get your old stuff through, like, YouTube? and? Or- well, the thing with Netflix is obviously they had the rights to a bunch of things and mm-hmm. a lot of the – where they were buying them from, your Paramounts, your Columbias, your whoever's, were probably getting them back. Yeah. Or they don't want to pay for the rights anymore. And they'd have the analytics and all the numbers, you know, probably Cambridge Analytica's probably mm. <laughs> got the data and said, well, people aren't watching this, people aren't watching that. So they'll they'll know what people are watching. They're watching Queer Eye all the time. I, and they they're pausing know. on Anthony things for some reason. <laughs> they but, must uh, know what people are watching because they give you the, because you like this, you should yes. watch this. And a lot of them don't make any sense at all. No. Hmm. But yeah, so, um, so having access to those libraries are going. So, and that's the thing, people are pulling stuff from their library as well. So, it's up to Netflix to go, well, we own the content now. We're making the content into ours. And that's what they're doing. But you think they'd have all this, there should be some easy old stuff that no one's showing. But whoever does Paramount stuff, like um, with Star Trek in America, they've got a premium service because I have been watching a lot of stuff on the catch up websites using my VPN, going to an American website and watching a lot of catch up TV from America. And I think it's CBS, which has the streaming service, which Star Trek's on, Discovery. And there's a bunch of shows and things like Wings, which is the unfunny sitcom. It's it's ironic that it's called a sitcom, but there's no laughs. (laughs) Things like that are on there, but they're available on the streaming service. So things like that. So when I say that's not that old, but it's probably 20 years old now. But yeah, they've probably got their content. 
and they're going to throw all that on there. Warner Brothers are going to throw all content on there. So everyone's probably pulling all their stuff back from Netflix or Netflix are choosing not to renew and that sort of stuff. Hmm, so it's like, give me access to old. I want black and white. I want, yeah. On the buses. Bring it on. Uh, is there a BBC catch-up? I think there is, but again, it's probably one of those things where they only How have old? fairly recent type stuff. They might have it. I think all the Doctor Who's there. Mm. But anyway, that, that that was strange. But we actually watched a brand new show tonight. Just before, I actually yeah. watched three. We watched Corporate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there was some chuckles in Corporate. Kind of fun. I, I enjoyed it for what it was. And it's a Comedy Central TV show. Yep. And it set a cor- the world in a corporate you know, company. Mm. And it's got two sort of, what would you call slackers? Would you? I don't know. I don't know. I'd call them... Low management, middle yeah, management, middle management. Don't want to be there. Don't really know what they want to do, and mm. just the not hilarity because it's not ha ha funny. It's it's closer to office space than it is anything yeah. else. But yep. you know, it's just sort of like that the weird surreal sort of a surreal office space, even more surreal than office space was. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I didn't mind it, and it's yep. got Matt McCarthy in it, who is the host of one of our favorite podcasts, the We Watch Wrestling podcast. So when he turns up, it's kind of cool. But yeah, yeah so we, we, we tried that. We also watched Alex Inc. When we say we watched Alex Inc., we watched probably about Ten a minutes. third of an episode. Yeah, it's a new sitcom, single camera sitcom with Zach Braff, conceived by Zach Braff, directed produced by, by Zach, Zach Braff. Braff. Yeah. Unfortunately, starring Jack Braff. Was it written by Zach Braff? Probably. That explains why it wasn't funny. Yeah, and it's about a guy who was a like an NPR radio guy who quits because it's all about happy stories, and he goes, he wants to do something else, so he wants to start up a podcast network. And I thought, subject matter's got me in. I'll check it out. I waited for you to come over, and I put it on without any warning. I apologize for that. Uh, so you got surprised Braff, yeah. and um, it wasn't very good. It's funny though because he was so good in Scrubs. Yes. But then the more I think about it, the more I think that Scrubs was a drama that was funny rather than being a comedy. It was just well written and clever, and the supporting cast was great. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So I mean, it may get better. We really didn't give it a chance, but it didn't ask us to. No. <laughs> it was. It wasn't very good. So then we found another show that I was looking for, and I made you sit through that, and that was the Corner Gas Animated Show, which only started a couple of weeks ago, and I liked it. But I, again, I, I've seen every episode of Corner Gas, so for me it was, oh yeah, this is an interesting take on the characters, well, where you've seen one episode. No, I've seen a, a couple more episodes, because okay. oh, that's right. after we did the Christmas episode where we watched Corner Gas, a friend of the show, Joel, invited us over to his house, and we watched, I think, four or five more episodes of yep. Corner Gas. Kind of the best of Corner Gas, including the best of seven foosball game. Yes. But I, I really enjoyed the animated series. Mm. It, it kind of has that advantage that they can get away with yeah, more in animated than they can in life. American Dad sort of feel. Yeah. It's a very basic animation in that same sort of vein. You've got the asides. It's just, it's got absurd without being over the top absurd. Yeah. But, yeah, it's the same humour that is Corner Gas. And it's nearly the whole cast, isn't it? It's yeah, I think the only, one of the characters, one of the actresses, was, one of the actresses died. Yeah. Well, I mean, she definitely sounded like her, so whoever they got to replace has done a great job, or they, oh, I'll be sticking around and watching more of that, that's for sure. It still had the, the exact same humour as the real Corner Gas, so, yeah, yep. if you're a fan of Corner Gas, you'd probably like the animated. Yeah, so one... One recommendation yeah. of all the stuff that I've been watching. It's good that we've poo-pooed everything else. But Our corporate was okay. Don't we found a, a show that's worth sticking with. 
Hmm. All right, so that was that was television. Yes. Now, have you had any trips to the cinema? Yes, I have. Well, you're doing better than me, so I'll let you go first because you've right. probably got new releases. I was phoned up by a friend saying, would you like to go see a press screening of The Quiet Place? And I said, yes, yes, I would. And he goes, I sit crown at six. Now, if anyone knows Melbourne, I've got to get from Bandura to the city by six o'clock and get a park and all these sort of things. I was like, okay. I can do that. It's worth it. I turn up. He messaged me saying, I'm not going to make it in time. It's like, great. <laughs> so he gets there and he's like, well, is there anything else? I was like, yeah, there's this, this, and this. It's like, okay, well, let's go see that then. So we had dinner and we bought a ticket to see something. It's like, great. So I saw Pacific Rim Uprising instead. I'm sorry. I liked it. Really? Yeah. So it's better than the first Pacific Rim? Different. Mm-hmm. This is the action film I wanted the first one to be, but it's dumb. Okay. You know, the first one had something about it that was like, okay, that sort of makes sense. Like, just the way the things moved, there was no real personality in the robots. They had a style. Yeah. But they were just robots. Yeah. Where these ones, the robots sort of do have a swagger about them. Okay. Which, which, you know, that's a Del Toro thing was the robots, they're robots. They don't have personality. Yep. Where this one looks like Evangelion okay. in the way. Oh, I mean, it looks amazing. And it was fun. Like, it was silly and you're excited and all this sort of stuff. Didn't have that subplot where everyone... I've, got, I've talked to other people and they love the original and they love the subplot with Hellboy and that in it, where I could take that all out. I would be happy just to have none of that. I, I thought that was what really annoyed me the most. Yeah, that's... What's his name? Charlie Day. Charlie Day. Well, he's and, in this one again, and yeah. that pissed me off, but he's actually not bad in this, but okay. it really pissed me off in the original one. Yeah. I just wanted to see Monsters vs. Robots, where this one looks great. The monsters look great. The fight scenes are cool. It's just not as clever. You okay. just sort of feel the world isn't... Even though the first one still is kind of dumb. Like, if you've got giant monsters attacking... Rockets, you know, yeah. aeroplanes with rockets is yep. more effective than building a 200-foot-tall robot. It's really not a functional thing to do, and you've got to get past that. Where this movie, you believe it more because it's just so silly that it's just like, oh, yeah. And John Boyega's good. It doesn't have stupid Aussies, like not Aussies in it. Yeah. Things like that. that. That's the thing. He spent so much time building this world that sort of worked in the first one. And then you get two guys who aren't Australian to be the most Aussie guys in the world. And yeah. it's like, how did you not just hire two Aussies? They're, they're in every other role in Hollywood at the exactly. moment. Why? How did you not do that? So stuff like that was just weird in the first one. Like, it was good and it had moments. This one was a cash-in. Obviously, it made did really well in China. So yeah, I think that's that. what I was, the foreign market. And it, it does its job. I mean, it's got kids in it. Okay. Like the kids, you know, it's all like it plays to an audience of like, all right, 12-year-olds are going to watch this and love it. And it's like, good. And that was fun. I probably will watch it when it comes it's out worth on, it. it's, on it's TV fun. or video it's, it's, or whatever. It's yeah. not dumb. Like hmm. you could show your kids this one where the first one you go, I don't know. Yeah. The first one is a bit heavy, I think, for kids. Yeah. Where this one, no, it's fine. Okay. So, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. That was my only cinema of the last, last since we last spoke. Hmm. But I have seen another film. Okay. On the digital versatile disc. Uh-huh. I know. I actually got off the couch and put a, a disc in the machine. And that is three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Now, I was really keen on this one when we saw the ads. Mm. It just looked clever. Yep. And it is. Okay. Yeah, it's from the same guy who did In Bruges and Seven Psychopaths. Yeah. And a lot of the same actors. Okay. I've got two favorite actors. Three. Clint Howard. <laughs> John Turturro. Yep. And Sam Rockwell. And this has got Sam Rockwell in it. 
It's got one of my least like actors in Woody Harrelson because he just seems to play Woody Harrelson every time. Yeah. And, yeah, he's playing Woody Harrelson again. But he's not, he's palatable in this one. Okay. And yeah, Francis McDormand from Fargo fame, Academy Award winning Francis McDormand. Yep. And it's really good. It's It's funny. It's not a nice movie in any way, but it's just, I don't know, it's just really good. Okay. Like, it had me in, and Sam Rockwell's amazing, as he always is. And, yeah, I just, without saying anything, it's about a, a mother who's upset her daughter was raped and murdered. So she goes and rents these three billboards that haven't been used for years on a street, just sort of asking the questions, big, bold letters saying, you know, still no arrest why okay. kind of thing hmm. and it just drives a wedge in the town of people going why aren't you why are you doing this to the sheriff and all this sort of stuff and she's not a nice person the mum okay she, i mean she's got justified reasons yeah. and stuff like that but she's just a strange woman and that sort of thing because apparently it's based on a true story like this is not a true story but someone did do this billboard thing and the writer went and used that and extrapolated their own story but um yeah really really good Recommended. Hmm. All right. Well, I haven't had any trips to the cinema, but I have watched a very varied group of movies. Something that's been getting a lot of buzz lately on Netflix here in Australia, and it did get a cinema release in the US, and that's a movie called Annihilation, starring Natalie Portman, Mm -hmm. and Oscar Isaac has a little role in it too. But it is... Poe Dameron and Padme Amidala. I know. In the same film. And it is a science fiction movie about aliens, I guess you would call it. Mm -hmm. There's a strange aura over a lighthouse and they send some people to go and check out what it is. It's very long and drawn out Mm -hmm. and it is predominantly a female cast and it is just a group of female scientists going to check out this aura that the men couldn't investigate really. But, it, yeah, as I said, it's slow and it's drawn out. The effects in it are, are quite good. I really liked it. My wife absolutely hated it. And then at the end of it, she basically said to me, well, why did you like it? And I couldn't really put my finger on why I liked it, but I did. Mm. And I've been doing, doing a bit of research and it is very decisive in the fact that a lot of people love it and a lot of people Polarizing. hate it. Polarizing. Polarizing mm. is the exact word, yeah. Mm. So, yeah, I, I would recommend it. but Your it, wife wouldn't. My wife wouldn't, exactly. <laughs> and something along the very similar vein to that, we watched Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't say I loved that, but I didn't hate it. But my wife didn't like that at all either. She couldn't understand why they didn't have Tobey Maguire still being Spider-Man. And I tried to explain to her that you know, we've had Andrew Garfield in between and this is like... this not 2001 anymore? Yeah. <laughs> And you can't really have a 40-year-old Tobey Maguire running around being Spider-Man. Well, they did that in Spider-Man 3. <laughs> yes, they did. Dancing around. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know if I liked Homecoming I a lot. I loved there was, Homecoming. There was bits of it I really dug. Michael Keaton. He was just Michael Keaton, though. He was he was good, but he was just Michael Keaton. All right, spoilers here for any if you haven't seen it. Stop now. But I hated the – because what I didn't like in the whole Spider-Man movie when they keep doing is – He's connected to every villain somehow. Instead of just a villain being a villain, it's sort of like, oh, no, you're my science teacher and you're the lizard. It's like, can't you just be a fucking villain? You you don't have to be connected to Peter Parker in any way. It doesn't have to work that way. And when Michael Keaton turned around to be his, like, date's dad, I was like, fuck off. (laughs) But I forgave it after that because that scene of him in the kitchen and him in the car – 
was so good. Yeah. That was worth your price of admission. That was so good. And I was like, yeah, it's worth it. I don't care. As long as you, I don't care how you got to that, the fact that we got to that made it worth it. I so. thought Michael Keaton, when he was just being dad, dad was good. <laughs> yes. But when he was being the vulture, I thought he was well, handling really it up. Get to be the vulture bit. much. He was just hmm. a dude who was trying to put food on the table. It was, yeah. He was great. He was probably one of the best Marvel villains up there with Loki hmm. and Killmonger, who I've still got a crush on. Yeah, so it, I, I loved it for that. It's the most Peter Parker Spider-Man's ever been. Yep, like I, I will his, say that. His mate was fun. Yep. It was just a fun Spider-Man movie, and it was perfect. You didn't have to. We didn't have to bog down with an origin. We didn't have to say, you know, they covered that in a, a little chat with his mate, saying, "So you're bitten? Can you do this? Can you do it? no?" It's just like move on. I thought some of the CGI was a bit naff, but then some bits, but most of it's pretty good. Spider-Man has that issue a lot of times that when he's swinging around on his webs, there's no weight to it, mm. and it kind of looks too animated. Yep. But yeah, it was it was fluff. It was probably longer than it needed to be. Yeah, I mean, most movies are now, though. Yeah. But, yeah, no, I, I really don't. Hmm. Mm. And another movie that I watched on my own because I knew my wife wouldn't want to watch it, and that is the Kickboxer reboot, mm. which was Kickboxer Vengeance. Yes. And this is pretty much a remake of the original Kickboxer movie, only Jean-Claude Van Damme, instead of playing the hero, is playing the older dude who trains the, the hero. Mentor. Yeah. And former wrestler Batista plays Tong Po, the Thai kickboxer villain. Mm-hmm. And he was all right. He, he didn't have to do a lot. He just had to look menacing and punch some dudes. So I guess that was good. But there was a lot of other former UFC fighters in as well. George St. Pierre was in it, who was in Winter uh, Soldier, Winter Soldier mm-hmm. in that one fight scene that I thought was really good. Playing Batrock. Is that who he was? Mm-hmm. And I think a couple of other ex-UFC people were in it as well. But it was okay yeah, well, as far as martial arts movies go. But then what do you expect when you go into watching a martial arts movie? Starring John claude Van Damme. Exactly. Mm. Hmm. But other than that, we were flicking through Netflix and my wife and I had had a bit of a discussion about the fact that we could never find movies that we agree on. And we just flicked and we saw a movie called Hurricane Bianca. And with Netflix, it kind of shows you the trailer when you hover over the title. Hmm. And we like the trailer and we're like, all right, let's just watch this knowing nothing about it. And it's the story of a dude who is a science teacher who gets a job working in a high school in rural Texas and then gets fired because he's homosexual and he comes back in drag as a female science teacher Mm. and pretty much turns the class of dumb people around to being a productive class. See, I was looking at this going, this sounds like shit, but teacher turning a class around, it's a genre I like. Yes. Oh, all right. And then doing a little bit of investigation about who Hurricane Bianca is yes she plays a character called bianca del rio and doing a bit of research afterwards she is the winner of he she whatever you want to say is the winner of rupaul's drag race season six mm-hmm. and she is playing the same character as she funny? was it is incredibly funny incredible oh you're selling it, me on this it is incredibly wrong oh even better there, there is lots of lines in it that you look at and think my god did he just say that all right you've sold me but oh, i'm on without knowing anything about this movie this is probably the best movie I've seen in the last month. So Wow, yeah, okay. I, no, because, I mean, I was when you were describing it, I'm going, oh, man, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> but, but being that subgenre of the teacher that's come in and bringing one up, I love Summer School, Stand and Deliver, The Principal, all these sort of movies. Haven't seen Dangerous Minds. Hmm. Who knew? But, yeah, there, there's a couple of lines that just come out of nowhere and you wouldn't expect them. So it's wrong, wrong. Wrong, wrong, yes. MA rating, sort of, we're talking? Um, 
there's a couple of lines that you would almost say is R-rating. Oh, excellent. I like it. But, yeah, basically the kids in the school give the male teacher a bit of a hard time and then when she comes back in drag, she then gives her gives it back to the kids mm. because, you know, she knows what they've previously said to the other teacher yep. and they don't realise that it's mm-hmm. him in drag. But some of the lines that the, the kids cop mm. and the – uh, vice principal of the school is played by Rachel Dratch, who I think was in Saturday Night Live. Turned up recently on the John Oliver last week tonight, playing his wife when they made the fake church. Oh, vaguely, yes. Yeah, but she plays the principal, and there's a lot of backwards and forwards between them as well. But <laughs> I, I recommend it. It was really, really funny. Excellent. And apparently, it was totally crowdfunded. Like after he won RuPaul's Drag Race, they decided that they wanted to do more with this character, so they kickstarted the idea of doing this film. And then I think he put his money that he won from RuPaul's Drag Race into the movie as well. The movie was a success, and then they're making a sequel. So awesome! Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the beauty of crowdfunding. It's not, and this is Netflix. Yeah, it's not going through a studio system. So the fact that you're saying it is wrong means. They're allowed to go wrong. Exactly. They don't have yeah. to appease a studio going, oh, no, 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 we need it to be about, you know, PG-13, we can't have this, this and this. Yeah. Perfect. Hmm. All right. But I would recommend that. But anyway, that's my movies. Now, we're going to jump into our topic for today. And the fact that it was WrestleMania week just passed, we decided that we kind of tease talking about wrestling a little bit. So maybe we should jump right in and have a, a bit of a discussion about wrestling. And that kind of leads on to a couple of other things we've been watching. So both of us are wrestling fans. Mm-hmm. We've been wrestling fans for various amounts of time. Mm-hmm. I think I've probably been a fan longer than you. Well, you are older. Well, I am older, <laughs> yes. And I, I was thinking about it myself that I kind of got the itch for wrestling back in, it would have been when I was in grade four. I can remember seeing it on television and seeing Jimmy Superfly Snooker doing the splash on someone and then going to school the next day and jumping off a table <laughs> on another kid in grade four. So I think I would have been about eight or nine in grade four. And I didn't really know that much about wrestling until WrestleMania 1. And then after WrestleMania 1, I was just hooked. I can remember seeing that on TV. And then from then on, my whole life was wrestling. Maybe it was around the same time then. Because I vaguely remember WrestleMania 1. I think WrestleMania 1 was on telly here in Australia. It was on uh, – it wasn't live. Because it was Friday nights, wasn't it, wrestling? No. Uh, could have been. Like it was on Channel 10. It was on nights. I thought it was Fridays. Yeah. Because I was allowed – I had my own, I think, black and white telly. I'm not sure. Because I'd watch it and I'd run out and tell my parents what was happening. And they did not give a shit. Yeah. Because – King Kong Bundy kept splashing Hogan. They took him out in an ambulance. And I was, well, that was the lead up to WrestleMania 2. 2. Well, I do remember that. That's my first real memory of it yeah. was that. And running in and telling my parents all this stuff that's going on and they could not care less. Oh, they could care less. What's <laughs> They could care less. They could care less. No? Yes. <laughs> Maybe they couldn't. <laughs> Anyways, but yeah, so they that was my first real strong memory of it was that incident. Yeah. And Bundy splashed a midget or something at some yeah, point? Bundy dropped an elbow on a midget in WrestleMania 3. Okay, so, so yes. I remember remembering my WrestleMania moments. Yeah, and my cousins were younger. They had all the LGNs. I never had them too. I always talk about my cousins. They had the best toys. I just played with theirs. But, yeah, they had the Corporal Kirshner doll, and that was the coolest. With a beard or without a beard? Without. Because uh, I think the one with a beard is actually worth a lot of money. That was my history. They had the ring as well. So yep. we'd do our wrestling fights and stuff like that. And yeah, I sort of liked it for a while. And I got out where I don't think you did. I had a couple of periods where I got out, but then I got sucked back in quite quickly. Mm. I know when I first moved out of home, so it would have been sort of 1990-ish. Time I for moved, the guru. I moved out and I kind of went off it for about a year. Mm. And then I can remember 
getting sucked back in. And then when I was sucked back in, I was sucked back in really hard. Because mm. this was around the time pre-internet of the wrestling information line, oh. which is 00551-2308, run by a dude called Laz, who used to just pretty much get his news from Dave Meltzer's dirt sheets yep. and just read them on double double. See, I've got so many friends from wrestling now who tell me about this thing yep. where I just no idea what they're talking about. Yeah. yeah. And then from there, as I got older, I got deeper into wrestling. At this stage, we didn't have it on TV anymore because I think it was on Briefly Superstars or something. It was on Briefly Here. Mm. And then they took that off. And then we had to just have the videos in the video shops. Cause the yeah, video. Yeah. And it was like six months after the events when we actually got the video. Mm. So things would happen and you'd get the magazines and you'd be like, you know, WrestleMania or whatever. So you'd buy all the magazines? I was buying WWF magazine for a very long time when I lived in South Australia. Mm. And then when I moved over to Melbourne in 1988, I can remember picking up a Pro Wrestling Illustrated and it had Dusty Rhodes and the Rock and Roll Express on the cover. And I was like, who are these dudes? Mm. You know, these, these aren't wrestlers. Who are they? And then it kind of opened my eyes that there was other wrestling other than just WWF. Mm. And I can remember going to a video shop and picking up like a Pro Wrestling Illustrated video, which was Lords of the Ring. And I was blown away with the fact that there was other wrestling. And blood. And blood. Yeah, exactly. Now, I mean, I my history of wrestling, like I said, was the LGN wrestling figures with my cousins and watching it and doing the moves like you did. I think we we knew certain elements were fake. Yeah, we could do. We did the whole the grab the arm and twist around, like twisting the arm around and that sort of stuff. You know, where you grab them by the wrist, but you know, you yeah. you were loose, but it looked like you were doing it. And we thought we were convincing people, but anyway, that sort of stuff. But also, remember thumb wrestlers? Yeah, for sure. Did thumb wrestlers get banned? Remember there was this, people were breaking their thumbs. I kind of remember it. that. I don't know yeah. if that ever really happened or was it just one of those urban legends that was like, oh, you can't have these thumb wrestlers. I, I think it was more the fact that the teachers didn't want people just playing thumb wrestling in mm. class. Because it was like you could stuff. thumb wrestle without figures, but they actually bought out WWE thumb wrestlers where you literally put your finger up a wrestler's butt <laughs> and you had a, a wrestler on your, on your thumb and you'd wrestle with those guys and it was pretty ridiculous but yeah i remember there were stories going around that people were breaking their thumbs mm. it's like it was dangerous it's funny though because obviously it went through a stage in the 80s where everyone at school just loved wrestling sort of people knew who jyd were yeah exactly mm. and hulk hogan was huge and and that sort of stuff but a lot of people outgrew wrestling when they left high school yeah well i mean it, it was aimed at kids then yeah, because it was Hulk Ice Hogan cream and wrestling. Yeah, 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 and hope you know, obviously sleeping bags or yeah, all the toys, wrestling and, buddies. Yeah, mm. so it was very much a kid thing. So I, I got out of that when it must have gone off telly. Yeah, whatever. I wasn't big into it like you were to a point. I wasn't buying magazines. It was just like, oh yeah, well, wrestling was a thing. You know, same as Transformers and He Man and all these sort of things. It was yeah. all around the same time, and I just seemed to get out of it at the same time. Yeah, so I was still into it for a long time. And then when we first got pay TV here in Australia, wrestling was on pay TV and it mm-hmm. was WCW at that stage. And that's when I really got back into it in a big way again, where I became a huge WCW mark. Yep. And as it progressed, WCW got to be better than WWE and they had the NWO and, and it just evolved from there. But yeah, it's weird that I've never really outgrown it. And I think I've now spent... 40 years of my life being a wrestling fan? Yeah, but I mean, you know, I've been through fads. Like, because yep. I got back into wrestling. I think I've told this story on here before. We've talked wrestling a few times on this show. 
Maybe not as in-depth as hmm. how we started but, to get into wrestling. But I, I got back in around 96. Yeah. And massive comic fan, doing all that sort of stuff. I ended up meeting a girl. I was doing comedy on bus tours at the time, I think. <laughs> and I met this girl and we split up. It was only, it wasn't even worth calling a relationship. But either way, it was just before Cup Day and I had plans and we split up the day before. <laughs> So I had, and in Melbourne, here in Melbourne, the cup day is a day off when shops are closed. So when you all of a sudden have no plans on a cup day, <laughs> it's a pretty lonely fucking day, especially if you just got dumped. So I had a mate who worked at a gym and I used my used to train with him and stuff like that. So I went and caught up with him because I was moping around or whatever. What are you doing today? When do you finish or whatever? And he goes, I don't know. And this is back in the day of videos. You know, yep. you can five for five bucks or seven for seven dollars and things like that. And it's like, oh, we'll go back. We'll get some snacks and watch some videos. And all right, so we go. We go to the video library and moping around. And we had to get at the last video to make up the numbers. And Dave's like, what about this one? And it was SummerSlam, Undertaker versus Undertaker. And it's like, it's like I, don't know, I don't watch wrestling anymore. And he goes, oh, we'll get this one. <laughs> so I'm there, I'm feeling shit, and I'm eating whatever polywaffle or whatever I'm having. And we put that video on. Not that I really wanted him to. Three hours later, I was like, this is fucking great. <laughs> I want more of this wrestling. Who's that guy? What's this? What, 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 what do you mean he's dead? The Undertaker's dead? Yeah, but he came back. But that's a different Undertaker. What the fuck? It's like, exactly. this is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's how I got back. So from that moment, it was like, let's get more videos. So we catch up and I would be going to videos. I'm hiring all the Coliseum home videos. I've got years you know, all the WrestleManias from the previous, all the SummerSlams, all the Royal Rumbles. And I'm trying to get them in order by this point. I'm just getting them randomly. So, no, 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 I should. Chronologically. Yeah. Hmm. Trying to do it. Yeah, I'm joining video libraries because they got a videotape that I hadn't seen yet and that sort of stuff. So, this is all I could get access to. It's like, oh, this is amazing. This is amazing. Boom, 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 boom. Yep. So, I, my timing around that era, everything happened at once. So, I couldn't actually tell you. So, I'm listening to the Bruce Pritchard podcast at the moment he's going back and saying oh yeah this is when this happened for me it all happened at once it's sort of confusing for me saying oh yeah this hadn't happened yet it's like but and this you know when certain things it's like oh yeah this is when this happened or blah 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 yeah so my comeback was pretty epic as far as content goes yeah so that was yeah that was pretty cool and and then i guess it probably would have been about 1997 that we actually first met and that was through wrestling as well yeah well, i can't remember where i got because I bought a tape, because like you said, when your eyes were open that there was something besides WWE, I was still, for me, it was still WWE. There was nothing else because yep. I didn't know about anything else. And I don't know how I found it. I found out about the Prince Pat's Hotel. Yep. That would, that would show wrestling pay-per-views. Generally, it was a wrestling pay-per-view just on the pub because we didn't have any access to it here. No. So I was like, oh, okay. So I don't know how I found it. I think I heard an ad for it on Triple R or something like that. Which would probably make sense, or PBS, if it was Leap and Larry L might have said something. Probably. So that's the only reason I think I would know about it, because I don't know how I found out. Yep. It just was like, oh my God, this is a thing. So I said to my mate Cam, who was sort of vaguely into wrestling as well, it's like, it's a pub that shows wrestling. I was like, oh, let's go. Yeah. And we went and watched it, and this is great. They have a raffle, they put the wrestling on, people yell and scream. It's like, this is fucking, this is pretty good. <laughs> and, you know, I, I still, when there's a raffle and I don't win... In my head, I go, no, because that's what's <laughs> always happened when they did the raffle. And the raffle was always crap because what you won was the tape, the tape of the night, yeah. which was a bootleg down fourth generation tape. And you had to wait till the end of the night for them to rewind the one that they were showing. <laughs> yeah. But so, yeah, those Prince Pat's nights were run by Laz who did the wrestling information line. Yeah. And 
a couple of times a year, Leaping Larry L would come and do his a clip show. Yeah, and a lot of them were Christmas ones because they did the Lipsters, Yuletide, the Cruelite. Yes, and he would do clips of other feds such as Japanese, ECW, Japanese, ECW, Mexican yeah. stuff you haven't seen. And again, that opened my eyes to a lot of things. Well, that's the thing because I was there. I was so excited. I was devouring all this wrestling. Yeah, and it's like, oh, there's a show showing all this other stuff. So I saw a WCW show. I think I won the raffle once. I got a WCW tape, and they were also selling at the front desk a little magazine called Pile Driver. Yeah, which was like, what's this? And it's like this black and white magazine. A zine. Yeah. No. Better than a zine, I think. Well, when they wise. first started, they were a zine. They, would they be, were definitely yeah. photocopied when they were first started. Yeah, they had good production values, and I'm reading it. And I was like, I read every article in it. It wasn't that big. It was like pretty good. And it was telling me all the stuff that's going on. I was like, oh, wow. I think there might have been a poll in the first one. It was like a year-end, worst wrestler, best wrestler, most improved, all this sort of stuff. Probably. Hmm. I was like, this is great. Was- and that's when there was mention of all these other things. Like the, in the poll, it had best match or best this, best that. And it was like WCW, WWF, and best character. And Japan. And Japan. And ECW. So what's this ECW? And there's all these references to ECW. And then I don't know where I bought it from, but I went somewhere because I found out there was a place that sold the bootleg tapes and that sort of thing. Well, Laz used to sell them at the Prince Pats as well. It might have been where I got it. I can't remember, but I got one and it was ECW Cyberslam 96, which is probably the greatest ECW pay-per-view. Probably. And that was the eye-opener for me. It's like, oh my God. Because I remember going to Alternate Worlds one day. I was buying my comics and there was a Sting figure with the Crow Sting. The one that's like a vibrator. Oh, like yeah. it literally, it's, it's this chunky looking one. You push a button and he vibrates. Because that's what you want wrestling figures to do. Vibrate. Hmm. But yeah, it's the closest thing I had to a crow a figure. <laughs> no, I had plenty of them. No, I had plenty. I wanted a crow figure. But yeah. there was no crow figures back then. And I was like, this is the closest thing I can get. I'll buy this. And there was a guy behind the desk. Big guy. Name was Derek. Okay. And sort of chatting away. He goes, oh, you like wrestling, do you? I was like, oh, yeah, I like this. And I'm like, oh, I'm excited. When someone says that, I love the conversations when I go to a comic shop, you know. And it's like, we're going to talk. Oh, not just comics. We're going to talk wrestling. And it's like, oh, what do you like? Just the Fed? And it's like, yeah, I like the Fed. Don't watch a lot of WCW. Oh, well, I'm all ECW for me. And it's just this smug <laughs> ECW chat. Everything else is crap. It's like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. If you know local wrestling, that was Bulldog O'Reilly. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was quite weird. So I, I know him and quite good friends with him now. But, yeah, so it was quite funny that, yeah, we, that was our first talk yeah. <laughs> back in the day. But, yeah, this Cyberslam 96 was an amazing tape. That's when Cactus Jack got handcuffed and multiple chair shots to the head because he was defending Mikey Whiprack and he was going to leave. It's when Pillman came out of the crowd and was going to piss on the guy from the audience. It was Sabu versus Tukol Scorpio in the most amazing match I had seen and probably still one of the best matches I've ever seen. Hmm. And I think there was early, like, I think the curtain jerk was um, Rey Mysterio from memory. Was that Rey Mysterio versus Psychosis when they went outside? I don't know. don't know Mm. about that. But, yeah, it was just I'm watching this thing going, this is real. Yeah. You know, the other stuff is not. This is amazing. So that's what opened my eyes to what else was out there. And I was was hooked already. But this was like, oh, my God, this is great. Well, my Prince Pats was – I used to get there early. Mm. And I used to talk to Jeff, who used to do The Door, because I used to listen to him on Triple R when he was on a show called Fast Fictions. Mm-hmm with David the Body and James the Hound Dog. And James the Hound Dog is James Young, who now runs Cherry the Cherry Bar and is all over the rock and roll scene in Melbourne. But they used to host a, a, an hour or a half hour show on Triple R that used to talk about comics. And Jeff was the dude that used to answer the phones for them. And he would occasionally get on the show and talk. But he was the dude that, that 
did the till yep. at the Prince Pat's. And I used to get there early because I used to go straight after work. And I used to get talking to Jeff. And then eventually, one day he was running late. So Laz was like, oh, you're here early. Why don't you do the door? Mm. So from there, I ended up doing the door. So I, I used to be able to get in without paying because nice. I would get in early. And then as payment for doing the door, Laz used to give me a tape every month when we did the shows. So nice. I was already buying Japanese tapes off him, but I was then getting additional tapes as well for Contra for doing the door. You end up doing a couple of articles, didn't you, for the Pile Driver magazine? I wrote, I can definitely remember writing one which was about wrestling video games, mm-hmm. which got published. I think I had a couple of other letters published okay. in Pile Driver, but I only ever had the one article. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So just, the live shows, you, you tell me yours, because yours would have been before mine. Well, I think the first live show I went to was Wrestle Riot. Two, I think it would have been, which was at Festival Hall. Oh, that's like real, real wrestling. Well, it is real wrestling, but it had Aussie wrestlers on oh. the card. And I can remember seeing Mario Milano as manager for Cognacavides. Did he have the burgundy jacket? He probably did. I mm. don't really remember. But I definitely remember seeing Con and thinking, this guy's pretty good. And then I can remember making friends with another dude at Prince Pat's. His name was Marcus. And he was like, well, we're going to go to the wrestling that's the rock and wrestling show at the Prince of Wales. Do you want to come? And from there, I started going to the local shows. And then one of the local shows they had was at Wall Street, which is now Max Watts. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where I bumped into you. And I was like, oh, you go to Prince Pat's. Yes. And then from there, we've just clicked, I guess. Yes, well, I mean, that's the thing. So, yes, we've gone to Prince Pat's and you, you used to be on the door. I do remember. We Give the nod because yep. we look like we're the same. We're the same height, Could same weight. Yep. Yeah. So we used to do that. And then I started, I found a live show. I went by myself the first one. It was at the... Out near the Teller Freeway. The Reggio, Reggio Club. Calabria Club. Yes. Yep. And that was the one that Fat Dom used to run. I found out about that one. You had to go you could buy pre pre buy the tickets if you go to his pizza shop. Yeah. Which is so was he wrestling. He owned a pizza shop and was a wrestler and promoter. And yeah, you go to his shop and I bought the ticket and I was so excited and I thought he's gonna be in for a chat. No, it's not like the comic shop. No. No, he was a grumpy old man making pizza and he goes, Yeah, hey, here's a ticket, thanks. No worries. Bye. And I guess at that stage there was a real definition. It was mainly an older generation of wrestlers. Oh, definitely. But there was a handful of young guys. And when I say young, well, they were young at the time. But well, probably yeah, I didn't really – I don't remember the young guys on the show. There was Fat Dom. There was Con. I think the Kangaroo Kid, some guy. <laughs> Sounded like the Mars Attack thing. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what that was. Yeah, I couldn't really remember much. But So I was going to these shows. I think I found out because I was a big comedy fan. Yeah. And I used to go to the Armadale Hotel where Simon doesn't like watching bands from. <laughs> but there used to be comedy every Monday, and I used to go because yep. I was a big fan of comedy. I had a lot of friends who were comedians, so I used to go every Monday, and that was great. Then I found out that the bouncer on the door was a wrestler. Yeah. It was Bully the Brawler. So I used to go to comedy and see nothing sometimes. I would literally stay and talk out the front with him for all the night. Yep. Talk wrestling and that sort of stuff. I'm sure he hated it. Probably. <laughs> yeah, so in the end, that was all great. And yeah, so that was where I found out about some of the shows. Yep. Where he used to fight. And that was cool. And one of the shows I went to was Wall Street, I think was the one. And you were there in your basketball diaries attire. Yep, a big black trench coat. You did. With a flat top. Yep. And we, we gave the nod. I think that's as far as we got that night. Yeah. Just like recognition. Yes. Nod. Mm-hmm. And then next Prince Pat show was like you were at the door and that's when it's like what do you think of the show yeah yeah, and that's where it all sort of started yep and that's when you got Foxtel and you said I'm getting Foxtel I'm watching Nitro every Tuesday do you want to come over yeah I thought it was for sex it wasn't <laughs> it was about watching Nitro I was like well okay <laughs> 
It was about double dipping sausage rolls, wasn't it? <laughs> Not a euphemism. No, literally, you had a go at me for double dipping a sausage roll. And I don't know if I did. I probably did. You probably you. did. <laughs> and that was the Road Wild pay-per-view. Was it? Yes. It wasn't just a nitro. No, It was, was actually a pay-per-view. Mm. Oh, okay. But yeah, from there, we started going to live shows together. We started hanging out, watching Foxtel together. And then, you know, fast forward to now... Well, yeah, because, I mean, through that bully connection, I thought, fuck it, I want to wrestle. So he put me onto his trainer, which was George Mangiolio, yep. and he took me down to that. And you said, you want to wrestle too. And then through getting to Sunshine View was a bit hard. Yeah, because I didn't drive at that stage. And you found out about a place in Richmond. Yep. So that's where you started training. Through Red Hot Ricky Diamond. Yeah, which I started going to both training with George and with you guys and stuff like that. And, well, yeah. you, you were definitely getting better training with George because he had a ring where we were just <laughs> training on gym mats. Yeah, but it was, yours was more fun. Yeah. But through that training, obviously that's where we've become friends with each other more. Mm. And we've also, through that training, local legend Cracker Jack was part of our training group. Yep. And he was probably the most successful of all the people we trained with. Definitely. So, yeah, we became friends with him. We obviously, friend of the show, Joel, we mentioned quite a bit, trained with us there as well. Yep. Brave Dave, who was co-hosting your other podcast with you. Yeah. Oh, Fresh and Jersey, who yeah, I do well, exactly. with the shows. You yeah. know, I mean, Fresh is the, the booker for MCW currently, and Jersey is the one who pushes the buttons. Hmm. So I feel so, kind of out of it, but I'm yeah. not part of the MCW show. Well, you were. You were Santa. I was Santa, And, and yes. you were part of Walker's Entourage on that I was the world's worst entourage, that's right. You were. Yeah. So, yeah. But anyway, let, let's jump back into WrestleMania for this year. Okay. So, on paper, this year's WrestleMania looked great. Looked long. It did look very long. Five-hour show with a two-hour pre-show. And it was long. Yeah. And I think that was what the problem was. I think it started really well, but by the end of it, the enthusiasm had dropped. Well, the thing with wrestling now is we're old. And what, I mean, the thing is with wrestling, you have what they call marks. Now, marks are people who believe it. Not that that many people believe it anymore, but marks are the people who are gullible or get sucked into it. Now, that, that's a good thing or a bad thing. Now, sometimes, you know, I don't go into Transformers movies going, that's not real, they're just pixels. That's computer graphics. No, you go in there going, I, I'm believing this story. Yeah. You know, you know, Pacific Rim, oh my God, that's fake. No, Yes, it is, obviously, but I'm buying into it and that sort of stuff. And you res- So with wrestling, you can be a mark where you go, oh, that's real. Or you can be a mark going, I'm involved. I'm, you know, Matt McCarthy, who is the host of the wrestling show we were talking about, he was actually on the writing team for wrestling, but yep. he's not anymore. But he worked for the WWE as a writer. Yep. But now he's still a fan. He'll go to the wrestling. He's at the front row and he's making stupid, you know, he's so into it. Yeah, he's starting he's chants and he's like getting involved. Yeah, You know, he's a fan. You know, so you can be a good mark in that way. It's like, well, of course, you, you don't go pay the money and go there and just shit on it. No. You know, it's sort of like you, you, there's a reason you like it. I mean, you got to buy in for what that is. And then there's smart marks, which is the term that came out around the internet times and things like that, where people know what's going on behind the scenes. Oh, they really don't like each other. That was a shoot. That was a this. You use kayfabe names or you use their real names and stuff like that. It's like, oh, Kevin Steen, you know, he's my favourite. It's like, fuck yeah. off. He's Kevin Owens in the Fed. Use the real name. And I'm saying the Fed because I'm old. But, yeah, so the problem is you can predict storylines the way they're going to go. Yep. Being a mark or being a smart mark, you sort of you understand it's not real. It is preordained. There are reasons things happen, so you can actively predict a lot of stuff that's going on. If you are over, over you know, you do listen to Meltzer or you do read a bunch of dirt sheets and this and that, you know someone's injured, so they're probably going to lose because they need time off for an operation. Exactly. Yep. You do know that oh, someone might sign, so you might get this person coming on and. 
this person might win because of this is what's happened and this person's got a wellness violation so he's going to drop the belt and leave and all this sort of stuff. So a smart person can figure it out yep. and you can be a little dickish with it. You do get the wrestling hipsters, I mm. guess, that are the people that only watch indie stuff. They don't watch WWE anymore mm. and they kind of think that the indie stuff is better than WWE. And it generally is because the Fed, to its credit, is a product. Yeah. And that product is aimed at selling toys, at yeah. selling merch, at selling the network, at doing all these sort of things. And it's a different generation. And it's, I think the Fed goes through cycles where yeah. we got back into it during the Attitude Era, what's called the Attitude Era, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, and all those sort of people. And it sort of was becoming a bit risque. Hmm. And now it's a f- publicly floated company. It's market as children. To a point. Exactly. So everything, I guess, is safe. Yes. They don't do a lot of over-the-top Outlawed a lot of moves. Yeah, and you don't see a lot of blood. Mm, it's only like, by yeah, mistake, yeah, generally. You'll, you'll never see blood on TV anymore. Mm-hmm. You'll only ever see it in a pay-per-view occasionally. Yep. And then when they do, it's quite a shock to the system to see it, like such as WrestleMania and mm. the main event. And, I mean, but there's a lot of moves they can't do because yep. they're dangerous. Yeah. You know, so they've outlawed pile drivers, they've outlawed this, they've outlawed that. So as far as moves go, and the fact is, it's like I said, it's a product or a commodity. So you've got these wrestlers who are kick-ass wrestlers because they've come through an indie system. They've worked elsewhere. They're really good. And you've watched them if you watch Ring of Honor and all these sort of things and you know what they can do. Then they come into this system. It's like, well, not everyone can work as hard as you or want to work hard as you. So you can't do that move. You can't do this. You can't do that. And also, you, you need these people working every yeah. week. Yep. You've got so many hours of TV every week. I don't want you injured, so don't do stupid shit. Hmm. So it's the same four movesets for different guys, and you know they've got to be able to tell a story. And that's a problem with a five-hour pay-per-view, because I can't sit through Raw anymore. It's three hours long. It's too long for the quality of wrestling that's on it. Yep. And the storylines, it's too long. So when they do WrestleMania, which is the big thing for the year, they can't do a three-hour pay-per-view, because they do three-hour Raw every week. Yeah. So they've got to make it five, which is too long. Yeah. For the talent they've got on there. Like, you go back and watch is it the 2000 Royal Rumble. Yeah. Which is amazing. You look at that from top to bottom. It's like, how many storylines were so good at the time with this? All the characters had their own thing. They didn't need the belt. It was just an amazing time. Nothing's even close to that at the moment. No. That I can see. I do like the event that is WrestleMania, but yeah, yeah where, where it started is, off well. You, like you go to WrestleMania with a group. Yes. And you take the day off work and you have an event day for it. Yeah. I myself still had to work on Monday for WrestleMania. So I came home and then watched it that night. So by the time I'd got home and watched it, starting sort of 7.30 when the kids were about to go to bed, I didn't finish till almost midnight. So by the end of it, I was like, my God, is this ever going to end? <laughs> and it felt like a very long show. And it started well. Yeah. And on top of that, not only is there WrestleMania, there is so much other stuff on this weekend. So you had an NXT pay-per-view, yep. which is NXT's like the feeder league for the WWE, mm-hmm. which was phenomenal. It, it they has run, been in the last few yeah, years. So they, they run NXT like an indie show. So it is more intimate than WWE. They're in smaller venues, kind of better constructed storylines. Simpler. And simpler, yeah. So we had that. We had the Hall of Fame, which again was a – four-hour show, mm-hmm. and that was very long as well. But on top of that, nearly every indie fed in America will do a show in the in New Orleans this yep. year where WrestleMania was. So I'm online watching all this streaming stuff of all these other shows. So the amount of wrestling that I have consumed this week is probably more than I would 
in a normal month, but yep. I've done that in one week. Mm-hmm. But on top of that fatigued. as well, HBO actually released an Andre the Giant documentary this week as well, okay. which I've watched. Well, they did a teaser ad for it in WrestleMania, yeah. so it did look good. So I managed to, through other means, find a copy of this or stream this off the internet. Yeah. Because it hasn't actually been released here in Australia yet. Okay. But I'm sure you can get your hands on it. Mm-hmm. But as a kid in the 80s, Andre the Giant was larger than life for us. What a peanut? Yeah. <laughs> And this documentary has been rumoured for a long time. Mm. Bill Simmons, who is from, he's like an NFL commentator. He's quite a famous podcaster in America. He's put a lot of weight behind this to try and get this made. So he produced this. And it is probably one of the better wrestling documentaries I've seen in a very long time. It's not skewed the way that WWE do their documentaries. That's not a documentary. What? (laughs) But they've... Got footage on this that I hadn't seen before. Like, I've seen a few Andre movies. Yep. And this, they've got footage of him training when he first started. The Billy Crystal movie, My Giant? No, but Billy Crystal is in this as one of the talking Because he wanted heads. to make a movie about him, yeah. but he couldn't, so he ended up making about a seven-foot African. Basketball or something. Yeah. yeah. But, no, they've got interviews with a lot of his contemporaries from when he wrestled, so... Mm. People that he trained with early. With Terry? Like, yeah, a lot of Terry. Oh. See, I'm being a smart mark here by calling him Terry. Well, he is. Hulk Hogan he, do, I'm he actually about. calls himself Terry. He comes up there and goes, I'm Terry Jean Belair. And, you know, when I started, Andre was the reason I got So he's only wrestling. got a six inch dick. Yeah. Not, Not a 10 inch <laughs> dick. Because Hulk Hogan has a 10 inch dick. Terry has a six inch dick. But yeah, he comes out and says, Look. Watch the Gorka documentary mm. if you want to know what we're talking about. But yeah, Terry gets up there and sort of mm. says, Look. I became a wrestler because I saw Andre when I was a kid and, you know, we became friends. We then had this WrestleMania 3 match and it does go a lot into Hogan and Andre, but it also talks about Andre coming up, going through the indies, his, you know, his deal with Vince McMahon Sr. where he would farm him out to other other territories. And it's interesting because I'd also just read uh, another Andre comic that I lent off you, Mm. which was Andre the Giant. Closer to Heaven, yep. which was written by Brandon Easton and illustrated by Dennis Medry. Medry. Mm-hmm. And having just read that and then watched the documentary the next day, it was almost like they were putting the comic into life. Oh. But there was a lot of stuff that they, obviously, because it's based on the, the same true story. Mm. But yeah, it was like talking about Andre's health issues, how he never really felt that he was getting you know, what he needed out of wrestling. He was never happy because he was constantly in pain because of his, I think, what they call it, agromyalgia or something, his gigantism that was meaning that he never stopped growing. So his body and his organs were growing and his knees just couldn't take it, his heart couldn't mm. take it, and eventually that's what killed him. And it is actually quite an emotional documentary. Like, they talk to Terry, and Terry tears up a little bit when he's talking about how working with Andre that last time and then, you know, him dying. And then they also talked to Tim White, who was a referee for WWF back in the day. But he was also, I guess, the role of Andre's handler. Yeah. He was always the man that helped Andre get on his flights and, you know, just looked after him and bought him all his alcohol mm-hmm. and just, yeah, made sure that he was where he should be and everything was going okay. And he was kind of like Andre's best friend in wrestling. And he tears up talking about how sad it is that they lost Andre. And just watching Tim White tear up made me he tear up. up. Yeah. yeah, And he says one line, It's he just says, there's no crying in wrestling. And then he starts crying. And I thought, well, that's, that's me gone. <laughs> 
But I, I really recommend this. So if you cool. can get your hands on a copy of this, mm-hmm. I know it, it is streaming on a couple of the dodgy sites on the internet and that may be the only way we can get our hands on it here in Australia at the moment. But I highly recommend watching this documentary. Because yeah, really? as far as all of the wrestling that I've watched or wrestling-related stuff I've watched this week, this is probably what I've enjoyed the most. Cool. So, yeah. Five and a half hours of WrestleMania didn't really do it for me, but an hour and a half of Andre the Giant documentary, and I'm back to being. Yeah, well, that well that's the thing. We, we are listening, me more than you, but there's a Bruce Pritchard podcast, which yep. is Bruce Pritchard was Brother Love as an on screen character in WWE, but as more of a role, he was the a booker and road agent. Sort yep. of character, well, not character person, on the WWE, WWF career for 20 plus years, I'd mm. say. So he was there during the Attitude Era. He was there during WrestleMania 3 and that sort of stuff. So it's a very entertaining podcast where yep. Conrad grills him about the times. Do you remember when this and this and this? And Bruce Pritchard's a great storyteller. Not all of it may be true, but they're great stories. Yep. And I find it fascinating. And because of the popularity of that, he went off and did another one, Conrad, with Tony Schiavone. He was a commentator in the WCW. It was at the Fed a little bit, but a WCW yeah, he's majority. more known time. for being WCW. And he tried to catch lightning in a bottle um, with Schiavone. But the problem was Shivani wasn't a booker. He wasn't involved in any of the backstage. No, he wasn't inside. So, and it was just not as good to start with. But it wasn't until he just started talking about being there, just his own personal, and it became the more fun show. So, there's two really good shows talking about wrestling, and they're talking about stuff that happened 15, 20, 25 years ago. Much more interesting and exciting and nostalgic for me than try than I get excited watching the new stuff. Yes, like you said, I go to my mates to watch WrestleMania. I I don't know really what the storyline if if it wasn't for me listening to the We Watch Wrestling podcast, I wouldn't know what was currently going on at the moment. But I, I keep abreast of the situation, and that was enough for me. Yeah. But yeah, I'm more nostalgic for the old stuff, listening to Pritchard talk about this, going, oh, I might go back and watch that pay-per-view or that Roar or something like that. So yeah, yeah. that's definitely interesting. And Shivani was only doing this to raise money to make his for his daughter's wedding. Yep. And that was it. He She had her wedding a couple of weeks ago, and that was it. It was done, but he's convinced him to keep going. And okay. He's happy to do that. Mm. But Conrad, as a plan B, thinking that was going to end, teed up a third podcast in the same vein. So he and Eric Bischoff will be doing one coming soon. Yeah, so, so. Eric Bischoff was the owner, booker, head person of WCW for a big chunk. Yeah, so he'll be fascinating, mm. potentially. So, um, yeah, that, so yeah, looking back at wrestling is more interesting for me at the moment than yeah. as far as the TV, WWE stuff goes. Yeah. But, yeah, it's I'm still around it without being as into it as I was. I still watch a fair bit because I've got the network, so I watch NXT and I watch 205 Live and I watch a lot of the non-network TV stuff, so mm-hmm. I don't watch Raw and SmackDown as much. Yep. I watch a lot of the highlights of Raw and SmackDown, so I don't need to watch all the recaps and what happens. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm definitely not the Fed fan that I used to be, but I still watch a fair bit of wrestling, despite the fact that my wife doesn't like me watching it around the kids, so it's always watching it on the side. Yep. So, yeah. But it's it's part of me, and it's something that I probably never will outgrow. But anyway, that's a bit of uh, history with wrestling, and that's probably a nice place for us to wrap up a slightly longer than normal podcast. Mm -hmm. 
But if you have any feedback for us, definitely jump on our Facebook page. We are facebook.com slash the massive attack podcast. You can find us on our normal website, which is themopodcast.podbean.com. But jump on there. Tell us what you think about wrestling. Tell us that we're idiots for liking wrestling. I'm sure there's a few of the fans that listen to this that probably aren't wrestling fans. Mm-hmm. But I know there's a lot of our fans that are because a lot of our friends <laughs> listen to the podcast and they're wrestling fans. But anyway, if you have any ideas of things that we should watch, things that we shouldn't watch, just who your favourite wrestler was when you were a kid. I didn't ask you that, Mitch. Who was your favourite wrestler as a kid? Rowdy. Yeah, Still. I can see that. I, I was a massive Big Boss Man fan, and I used to get about with a flat top and my dad's Air Force shirt with air pipes and pretend I was a Big Boss Man. That, that's a nice place for us to wrap up tonight, and we'll be back in a couple of weeks, possibly just a little bit of a teaser with a little bit more wrestling yes. to talk about in our next Welcome to Our World episode. Mm, but don't worry, if you're not a wrestling fan, it doesn't matter. That's fine. Yeah, You don't need to avoid it. No. It's not completely wrestling, but it is wrestling related. Mm. Little spoiler there for you. All right. Thank you, Mitch, and we'll see you again soon. See ya.